Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. so much. And now, here are the nominees for a performance by an actress in a leading role. Kate Blanchett, Tar. Anna de Armas, Blonde. Andrea Riseborough, to Leslie. Michelle Williams, The Fablemans. Michelle Yeoh, Everything, everywhere, all at once. And the Oscar goes to Michelle Yeoh. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 2023 year win for Michelle Yeoh for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, This marks the second time that a woman of color won the Oscar for Best Actress in a Leading Role, the first being Halle Berry for Monsters Ball. And in the 95-year history of the Oscars, there has only ever been two women of color to win this award, so it's kind of a big deal. It's also kind of pathetic um, that only two women of color have won this award in 95 years. That's crazy. Um, So 2023, uh, Best Picture went to Everything Everywhere All at Once. Best Director went to Daniel Kwan and Daniel uh, Schneierd. Wait, how do you say? (laughs) I'm fucking this up already. Schneierd. Schneierd. Shiner. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to bail you out because this is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, everybody, our guest this week is Catherine Niker. Welcome, Catherine. <laughs> Do you know how often I struggle through names on this podcast? I'm like, oh, God, I am so white. Hashtag Kyle so white. Um, Daniel Shinert, right? I think so. I thought, yes, I think so. <laughs> I'm actually not 100% now. The I Daniels. Felt like, I felt like I knew and now I don't know. I'm pretty sure that because I know that they were formerly known as the Daniels and now I can yes. see why. Because clearly I'm not the first person to struggle on Shiner. <laughs> yeah, let's call it Shiner. Like when you get punched in the eye or something, yes. you have a Shiner. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so Best Director went to them, the Daniels, (laughs) for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Best Supporting Actress went to Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, Best Supporting Actor went to Kihi Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. And Best Actor went to Brendan Fraser for The Whale, which I was actually happy that he won over Austin Butler. Um, Do you know, Mm. watching this movie back... And obviously because this, okay, well, first of all, off the top, this is one of the most exciting Best Actress Oscar races in a very long time because you actually have more than two possible winners. I would say this year there's three winners that you could actually make like a legitimate argue for each one of these winners, right? Where it was like, is it Brendan Fraser or is it Austin Butler? And, you know, you... It's never, it's usually like one or two, but this year there was actually like three options. And um, before we get into it though, what did you think watching everything everywhere all at once again and, and seeing Jamie Lee Curtis 
in this movie. How do you feel about her win? <laughs> Let's have a Jamie Lee Curtis moment. Um, personally, in this film, I think Stephanie Shu's performance is so is extremely impressive period like even without comparing her to anyone she's mm. phenomenal in this movie but she if if a best supporting actress were going to win in this movie it should have been her interesting well uh, you this... know what i mean like i'm not saying like you know it shouldn't have been angela bassett per se i'm just saying in this film if someone was going to win best supporting actress it should have been stephanie Shu. I mean, if Angela Bassett would have won for Wakanda forever, I just that just sounds wrong. It, it is, yeah. It would be a career win, which yes. this also was for Jamie Lee Curtis. It was really more of a whole career win than it was just this film. Well, and, I would definitely, and then this film won Best Picture and so many other awards that she just kind of like went along for the ride, which happens. Yes. in the oscars um but i think stephanie shu's performance in this film is really excellent she does a lot in this movie i mean i don't know i think the you don't big... like her performance in this film <sighs> i just don't do think... you like do you like do you not even like get more than jamie lee curtis i personally think the correct choice was jamie lee curtis okay I don't think that it was this wow performance, but I also don't really think that this was a wow category for this year. This was weaker, but you don't you don't like when she sings sucked into a bagel with tears <laughs> running down her face. Right. Come I, on, Kyle. I mean, I think her Stephanie Shoes big moment was in the parking lot. And then she's yeah. telling her to let go. There, I'm like, okay. But overall, like, I'm glad she got the nomination. But to be honest with you, I think that this category came down to either Angela Bass or Jamie Lee Curtis, possibly Carrie Condon for um, the Banshees of Inishirin. Yeah, she's wonderful in that movie. But oh, but you, this was kind of a sure year for kind of every one of those. But for me, I actually think that Jamie Lee Curtis was correct. She's in the movie more than I remember. Yeah, she's great. Like, I, I love, you know, also, like, you're a gay man, and I just feel like Jamie Lee <laughs> Curtis is just, like, how you're going to go on this. It's just true. <laughs> but I also do love me some Angela Bassett. Don't get, she did the thing. Also, she did the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I will never not say that. Um, yeah, no, I also love Jamie Lee Curtis in this film. Um, okay, well, first of all, this is, I'm so excited to talk about this episode because every single one of these performances in so many ways um i just really enjoyed and then i maybe enjoyed for all the wrong reasons but this is actually because <laughs> this this show this podcast some of these years when you go really far back become a bit of a chore and this year for me was not a chore this was arguably one of the most enjoyable years i've done in in a long time yeah it was really nice to um do a year that's been in our lifetime yeah. <laughs> again <laughs> it's been a yes. while since you and i have watched movies together and talked about movies together just in our lifetime it's so true so it does make it kind of special um so then okay let's jump right in to our first nominee ana de armas in the movie 
Blonde. Now, I would like to start off by saying that this movie won Worst Picture and Worst Screenplay at the Razzies and was also nominated for Worst Director, Worst Remake based on the 2001 novel Blonde. Um, Javier Samuel won Worst Supporting Actor. Um, Evan Williams was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor, and they were also nominated for Worst Screen Combo. Uh, so this movie, obviously, I had my hesitations going into since it won Worst Picture. And for anybody who hasn't seen this movie, it's three hours long. So I never watched it. I was I ref- I knew I had to watch it for this podcast, so I was like, I'm just going to save it for the podcast because mm. this seems like a slow burn. And um, I got to say, Ana de Armas getting an Oscar nomination makes sense to me. This is one of the most painful movies I've ever had to sit through. I enjoyed some of the artistic quality of the way that the story was being told, like in terms of its cinematography, I thought it was kind of different, but this movie is actually based on a fictional book. So it's not None of this is historically accurate. It's like a fictional story that involves Marilyn Monroe. So you have to just kind of take this as like a RuPaul's Drag Race category is fucking Marilyn Monroe, uh, Norma Jean realness. And they're just bringing it to the runway. (laughs) That's what it is. So if you can go in knowing that this is like a drag fantasy, then enjoy it. But but Ana de Armas in this movie being nominated for an Oscar, I was like, really? And then I saw it. This woman is delivering such an incredible performance to such a ridiculous, ridiculously insane movie that was so confusing. And um, it, she was naked a lot. And I got to say, I would describe this as a brave performance I understand this nomination. One of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, but this is a rare case where the Oscar nomination makes sense for a terrible movie. Anyway, those are my those are my thoughts. Catherine, what did you think? Wow. Well, first of all, I have to say those are very, very well-deserved Razzies. Wow. <laughs> totally. Very well-deserved Razzies. I mean, I, I don't know if I've seen such a good performance in such a terrible movie. I know it's but but also like um I hate this movie um <laughs> it was really hard to watch and I also felt like you know I didn't know that it was based on a book that's fiction that kind of like that's sort of different but I also feel like it was like this gratuitous like fetishization of mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe you know what I mean like Totally, and, and and I feel like I mean, I guess I mean other people have talked about this, but I do feel like there's some moral ambiguity around that because Marilyn Monroe was a real person. Yeah, you know, so it, it, it's like, and I, I don't know, man. Like, I I don't even know how I sit with this film, like morally. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wish it was campy. That would have been better. I I wish it was more campy. Um, and I don't say that often. Uh, I like your drag race analogy there. Um, but <laughs> but Ana Darmas 
is very very good in this she is um uh, her voice though how do we feel about her voice because she's really you know, putting on a voice well the american accent was kind of here and there um i think that she was doing like a good not great american accent you could still hear because i'm pretty sure she's cuban so she, she obviously has sort of like a spanish yeah, and then like she but she was like breathier in some moments than others there were inconsistencies with the accent well, apparently she spent, like, uh, months and months and months trying to perfect the voice. Well, those so. were not months. <laughs> <laughs> I think the little girl she, that like, played was... her. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Because um, there's just times where she's, like, like, I don't know, like, almost like cartoon Marilyn Monroe with mm-hmm. how breathy she sounds and then there's moments where she's like a bit more vulnerable and she just sounds like a person i mean but that was kind of how marilyn monroe spoke she she spoke like betty boop you know what i mean yeah yeah um but what fair, i what i was fair but but like what i was gonna say was that the the younger actress that was playing her lily fisher when she was playing young norma jean very capable she's great yeah very good wow yeah I also felt a, a big criticism that I also had of this movie was the mother played by Julianne Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Th- their relationship felt so disconnected. Mm. And I feel like the mo- like she was miscast as the mother because she didn't have that sort of motherly connection. Like I understand that she's supposed to be like an awful mother, but they almost kind of... She almost seemed like too young to be playing her mom or something. Like it just, there was That's a weird, possible. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's because obviously Anna Darmus is Cuban and um, Julianne Nicholson is very white. I don't know, but th- there was just kind of a disconnect there. So those scenes um, just didn't really work for me. But I, but again, Anna Darmus, again, even though the, the accent is kind of here and there, she is really delivering. In this movie, like emotionally, like she is going there. She is a mess. Um, her, her, the, the physical violence and, and those types of scenes that she has to endure as the mm-hmm, character mm-hmm. there, like you're saying there, this was kind of like a, like a, a fetishized fantasy of Marilyn Monroe. So it, mm-hmm. it was kind of good. Like, at, cause Daniel at one point was on like a work call and I had to turn down the mo- the movie. Cause there was like so much moaning. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of like, okay, what is and this? And everyone at his work is confused by a woman moaning. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah right. <laughs> They're like, that's weird and out of place. Did you move? Um, <laughs> But yeah, just really, really long movie. Three hours. That's a it's big ask. It's yeah. way too long. Um, it, and, and I also felt like in the second to third act, it gets really repetitive. Yes. You no, it really mean? does. It really, really gets repetitive. And like, I feel like the film was trying to do this like fever dream style where it's like you it blends the line between like reality and like what's in her head and mm-hmm. i feel like a mo- okay an example of a movie that does that really well is black swan oh totally black swan is like the i would say like that's like top of the pyramid for that like type of film and mm-hmm. i feel like this film tries to do that and it's not as successful 
and that kind of bugged me too it's really hard because her performance is really great i agree with everything you've said about her in this movie mm-hmm. it's just so difficult to separate that from the film itself at least for me and i've and i think i've talked about this on this podcast before where it's like i have a hard time rewarding performances that i don't love the movie for but this year is a year that really puts that philosophy into question true that's a really good way to put it yeah yeah and and so like i i'm feeling very confused by this film but she's a phenomenal actress and it's really annoying that she's so pretty (laughs) (laughs) you know like margot robbie's also in that it's like come on you know like like I have to be a comedian. Yeah. You right. know? Like that sucks for me. So I know but she I'm... is really great. Like she, like I, I don't have any like criticisms of anything she did, except for the accent thing. That's my only criticism of her um acting, where I I just found her voice to be a little jarring at times. Not throughout the whole picture, just in moments. Um yeah, she's really great. This movie is truly terrible i think marilyn monroe and anna de armas deserve better frankly they deserve better than this film uh, well, also it, the little girl who plays young marilyn monroe also deserves better than this treacherous horrendous movie i i actually think it's debatable if she should have even made it this far because the film itself doesn't deserve an oscar nomination despite the fact that she pretty that that she does it's very confusing kyle it is a very confusing movie like you're saying definitely style over substance Mm -hmm. um i also didn't really love the way that they kind of frame the oversimplification of her story by being like daddy issues am i right ladies and that was like yeah yeah the, like that was supposed to be the payoff, or at least that's how it that's how it seemed to me. Um, I also felt um, that this the particular style of the movie it was almost like you were watching a three hour confusing perfume ad for Gucci. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? And it had that sort of like Marilyn Monroe and like Hollywood glam to it. Maybe they should have done the Gucci movie like this movie. Totally. That would have been (laughs) so much better. That would have been better. (laughs) Now that you say it, it's like, yeah, like if they did the movie Gucci in the the style of like a perfume ad, that would have been like a highly stylistic choice that makes sense for that world. Yeah. I I think... um... I was I was certainly moved by the performance and I think it's it's really her that's selling it because it's all it's almost how do I describe this it's almost like she is in a different movie like there's mm. there's like a TV show going on in the back like there's a commercial <laughs> going on for Gucci fragrance like for 3 hours and then she's like Oh, I'm in a movie. And it's like there's two different things going on. Mm. And um I, I there was a there was such a disconnect. So it's like, in a way, this movie is just like a showcase for Ana de Armas. Maybe that's why she took on the project because she was like, I can really, you know, show my acting chops. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Uh, but this is not a movie that I would ever recommend or ever um 
revisit. Um, And also when she gets married to Adrian Brody, she just fully gives up on the American accent. She's like, yeah, yeah. I'm just on a day. But here's the thing that doesn't bother me. Like it just sort of seemed to me like, yeah, like there was a little bit of a Spanish accent in there, but but once you get to that point of the movie, you're, you're in a bad movie. That's that. It's, but so it, but it's That's almost just kind of like bother you. If it was a great movie and then the yes. accent dropped off, it would bother you more. That's actually that is very true because I just kind of watch. I look at it and I'm like, this is just her interpretation. Like this is her version. You know. I also like don't really like. Okay, here's a question for you. Now that we're just you know we're talking about this out loud, like structurally the movie I find confusing because it's like we all know like her you know her life story. Right. And she dies young, but there's no like it's it isn't a classic um tragedy structure, if that makes sense. Like there isn't this moment where you like, oh, she might actually get her life together and then she does it. I mean, not that we don't know what happens to Marilyn Monroe, but it's just like it's it's really shit and it just gets shittier. And there's you know what I yeah. mean? And, and it's like there's no like moment of like she's winning right now. Do you remember the scene where she goes down on JFK and it was supposed to be like Do really I? but like <laughs> but like they framed it and it was supposed to be like so sad and so upsetting but I'm going to be honest with you girl I was so wet When you watched that scene? I was so into it. Do you like it when people are sad when they go I- down? <laughs> I think it was more just kind of the way, like JFK was turning me on the way that he was like, oh yeah, suck my dick. I'm like, okay. Like I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not mad at that scene. I understood the point, but it, 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 uh, I was like jealous. I think in real life, he probably had more affection for her. In the movie, he's just like this piece of shit that's using her as like a prostitute, basically. Yes. But like in real life, like I feel like they pro- he probably did care for her more than that. And she probably enjoyed it is what I'm saying. <laughs> Who knows? But I don't think she was like, I mean, she was, I don't know. I mean, I get that it's the president, but also like that's Marilyn Monroe. Like you're not going to treat her like a prostitute. Um, A couple maybe, facts. Maybe well, I-, I could be wrong. I could, I could well- be wrong. I know that she allegedly like went down on him. That that is the one thing that I've I always know that like she and he were together. Oh, and that and I, knew I don't that... doubt. I'm just saying she probably enjoyed it. Or oh, probably. I, I mean, I I, would. I, I hope. <laughs> I hope. Um. So, a couple facts about this movie. Um. This project was originally announced in 2010. Naomi Watts and Jessica Chastain were both attached to star as Marilyn Monroe oh. at different times, but obviously ended up dropping out. And this film depicts Marilyn's mother, Gladys, abusing her during her childhood, along with attempting uh, uh, to drown her. Uh, While the film is correct that Gladys suffered schizophrenia and spent a lot of time in mental hospitals, there is no historical evidence that she was ever abusive to Marilyn Monroe. And the scene in question are simply based on rumors and the fictional novel by Joyce Carol Oates. So... Yeah, when you like we established, you know, when you when you watch this movie, just keep in mind that yeah, it's uh category is Marilyn Monroe fantasy realness. Like it's it's all it's mostly fiction. Yeah, yeah. So 
Anyway, but good performance by her. Uh, terrible movie. It just, I, I don't know if we've ever had like a legitimately good movie that is her whole life. Yeah. I, like, I, I, it, that's so wild to me. How has Hollywood not made a good Marilyn Monroe movie? I mean, I guess I, there's like my weekend with Marilyn. People like that movie, but that's a weekend. Right. I, it's not her whole, it, like, I, it, it's, it's shocking. Well, that's actually a perfect jumping off point. We should talk about Michelle Williams. Oh, okay. And the Fablemans, because yeah, she she was she received an Oscar nomination for for my I think it's my week with Marilyn. Oh, sorry. Um, yes, apologies. Yeah. And she, what? Well, yeah, she uh, in that movie uh, was also very good. Um, mm. a, another sort of interpretation. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. There isn't really any kind of good. Like the Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's very true, actually. Um, okay. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's talk about Michelle Williams and the Fablemans. So the last time that I saw the Fablemans was with you. We oh, were you yeah. were at my apartment and I bought the movie. And obviously I haven't watched it since. And I I was I forgot that I owned it. And I was like, oh shit. So you know what? It actually ended up being worth the purchase. <laughs> Glad uh, to hear. Because I would have rented it either way. But um, I am just going to say this, having watched The Fablemans twice, and I feel like these are going to be fighting words, and I feel like this is going to elicit a gasp, the gay gasp of the year. I think that The Fablemans is the most overrated movie in this year of the Oscars. Of all of Steven Spielberg's movies, I just I just think that th- he really was being nominated for this because it was Steven Spielberg. I think if it was anybody else, I just don't know if this story would have the acclaim and Oscar buzz that it did because this is Steven Spielberg's story and this is his life. So I think people are like, well, you are responsible for some of the greatest cinematic achievements in movie history. So we must celebrate your origin story. Mm -hmm, I... mm -hmm. I think that there's a a lot of really, really wonderful acting going on in this film, except for um, who plays the dad, uh, like the the father, uh, Michelle Williams' husband. His name is escaping me at the moment, but I think that he is overacting in this movie, and I think that he's actually Mm. dreadful. Um, I think he got nominated for the Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Supporting Actor, but... Michelle Williams being nominated for Best Lead Actress for The Fablemans, I think... You're talking about Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Yes, that's correct. Thank you. But Michelle Williams being nominated for Best Leading Actress, I think that this nomination is the win. I don't think that she had a chance in winning this Oscar. However, if she had gone supporting in the Jamie Lee Curtis and Angela Bassett and Carrie Condon category, I think she would have won. And I think it was a mistake for her to go lead. Um, I completely uh, agree with you on this, um, on the category thing, because um, also too, like I actually think it's legitimately category fraud that she is best actress um not just because of like the amount of time she spends on camera but because this is inherently not her story totally 
You know what I mean? It's like, this is not her story. We see her through the eyes of young Steven Spielberg and all her actions, everything she says or does is about how it affects him, Mm -hmm. which inherently makes you a supporting actress. That is the definition of a supporting role in a movie. And I think it's really shocking that she ended up in the best actress category just because she is Michelle Williams. And uh, I agree. I think if she went supporting, she could have won. She is. It was a mistake. Yeah, it was a complete mistake. And I think it was legitimately category fraud. Like we talked um, a while ago about Nicole Kidman winning best actress and how we thought that was category fraud because of the amount of time she spends on camera that that's therefore supporting actress performance. I stand by that, but I will at least say that in the hours, you do see things from her point of view. Mm -hmm. At the very least, where in this movie, you don't. So it's just like, I don't understand how she ended up best actress. Um, I agree. The Fablemans is very okay. Yeah. It's just very okay. It's fine. And if it wasn't Steven Spielberg and his story and all those things, I don't think it makes it this far. I I, I do agree. It is really long. Um, there is also that other actor that was nominated um for best supporting. Uh 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 uh, uh why am I not finding him on IMDB? The old guy. Oh, Judd Hirsch. Judd Jud, Jud Hirsch. What the hell was that nomination? <laughs> I know, so he's like random. One, he's in one scene. Very, very brief. I suppose memorable performance, like whenever too he's br- too brief. Yeah, it was too brief in, in the bedroom. That is in an insane nomination. That should have never happened. Not that he's <laughs> bad in the film, but come on, like what? No, 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 no. That's terrible. Michelle Williams is perfectly fine in this movie. Um, She is good. She is convincing. Uh, Her accent stays pretty on point the whole time. All of her transformations, you know, it's all there. It's extremely believable. Um, You know, I see how, like, her choices affect him. All of that. I think she is the strongest part of the movie. But with that being said... You know, it's just hard when, like, you've had a lot of great performances. This is not Michelle Williams' best performance. I don't know what is. I gotta, I gotta revisit that. Maybe it's Blue Valentine. I'm not sure. But I just don't believe this is her best performance. And I do think she should have gone supporting. And I think that would have been much, much better for her. I think her best performance, honestly, is Manchester by the Sea. I think mm. that she should have won that Oscar. I, um, off the top of my head, I can't remember who won that year. But um, Steven Spielberg had envisioned Michelle Williams as Mitzi, the character inspired by his mother, Leah, ever since he saw her performance in Blue Valentine, which, right. like, that isn't sucks. that movie, like, super fucked? You know what? You know what, though? Like, I feel like you know okay this is like a little revealing about me oh i'm actually anyway uh (laughs) i i feel like you know when people are like you know my parents got divorced and that was like one of the worst things that happened to me i just can't relate to you (laughs) 
Like, I just can't. Because I've had a harder life and I had a harder childhood. So, like, when people say stuff like that or they live that existence, I'm just like, wow, what's that like? Like, I'm almost (laughs) jealous. Like, I wish. I wish. That the divorce was the most difficult thing. Yeah. Because you're saying that the divorce was like, uh, like it was a like a like it like seemed it, like it was one of the most pivotal things that happened in Steven but, Spielberg's life. But for for you, like the divorce, you were like good. <laughs> yeah, I was legit relieved when my parents. <laughs> I was really. I was eighteen. I was eighteen oh. when my parents got divorced. But I was like, yeah, you two aren't working out. Like. I was, <laughs> Dude, you're this like is good. this is good for everyone you're like mazel tov <laughs> yeah i i'm truly i know that's so crazy to say but and you know there's obviously like a, a darkness to that but uh but no uh, legitimately so then like when i see someone make a whole three hour movie and it's just like my parents got divorced and this was really hard for me and then i somehow became a filmmaker i'm like wow good for you um but i'm just but i say all of that to acknowledge my own bias sure you know what i mean so like somebody else could watch this movie and have a very different experience and and i respect that but that point of view i think is valid and i think that that's a completely fair i mean that's your experience right yeah if i wrote a three-hour movie about my parents (laughs) honey it's a very different movie yeah right that's all and there's more Um, happening there's a lot more happening well, ta- okay, so a couple things about this movie. So the word spiel and fable are synonyms for the word story. Mm-hmm. Um, this also may be one of the last collaborations between Steven Spielberg and John Williams. According to reports, Williams, who uh, is 91 years old, is planning to retire, <laughs> which, yep, that makes mm-hmm. sense. I think it's time. Uh, after composing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, he was going to retire. Uh, he also added saying um, that it's very difficult to say no to Steven Spielberg. So that's why um, he also always says legit. yes. Um, and talking about uh, Michelle Williams in this film, there's something about her performance that's very like human doll. Mm. I don't know if it's the nails or the lipstick or the hair or something. She seems hair is very doll like, yeah. Like, couldn't you just see like two like red circles on her cheeks, almost like um like a raggedy Ann doll kind of thing? Yeah, now that I didn't think of that before, but I agree. There's something very human doll um about her performance, but it isn't really until uh the son, like the young sort of Steven Spielberg, starts to catch on to the emotional affair that she's having with her husband's best friend mm-hmm. played by Seth Green. Yum. And um, <laughs> was that sarcasm? Sarcasm. Yes. <laughs> I, um, I mean, whatever. Like, I mean that I feel like that's really rude, but just like Michelle Williams bagging Seth Green. Like, I don't think so. Um, you know what? And- that's how the straight girl world is though. I know. I feel so bad for you, straight women. You I really do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I have jokes about this. It's in my special. You know, Ooh, straight guys out, are gross. Check, check it out. Check it out. <laughs> um, but okay. I I I would say that the point of the film is to show the power of film and how that can affect lives and reveal truth in people's realities. Is that effective in this film? Yes. 
Is that effective to Michelle Williams's character? Yes. Does it affect her journey? Yes. Do I enjoy watching this journey? Yes. Is she going to win this Oscar next to Michelle Yeoh? No. It was a very good performance. I think this movie, I I feel like this is offending someone listening to this. I think this movie is very overrated. Um, I enjoy this film. I don't love it. Um, and I, I think, um, yeah, Michelle Williams... Uh, her and Paul Danny's relationship, I thought that they didn't really have super great chemistry. Um, I thought mm. um I thought that their chemistry was a little cringe. Um and also uh the part that I really loved about this movie is whenever he goes to that new high school and he's facing bullying and anti-Semitism yeah. and the way that he has that extremely complicated relationship with that one bully and the way that he portrays him on screen and um it, it's I found that part of the movie way more interesting. Michelle Williams being singled out in the lead actress category, you know, I don't really I don't really know about that. You know, I the one relationship that I wish that they explored more was between her and her mother-in-law, the extremely mm. critical mother-in-law. I would like to see more of that. Cause that was really the only time you ever really saw her kind of dislike somebody and get sort of frustrated and and just kind of like not be as positive and perky. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I agree. I think the third act of this movie is really strong. The ending is very strong. And I think if he had started this movie later Mm -hmm. and then kept going, that would have been really cool. I always think of that scene when they're in the car and he's kind of like young Steven Spielberg is kind of like hinting at the affair while Paul Danny is driving and then he kind of pulls over and she runs out and, you know, kind of leans against that fence next to the, under that tree. And then she and like young Steven Spielberg, like have like a full on conversation about it. I would probably say that was like her, for me, that was like the scene that was like yeah. the Oscar moment scene. You know what? I forgot that um, he has to hide the secret of her affair. That is very hard. So if anyone's been through that. <laughs> well, just because in that moment, she kind of has to speak her truth finally and reveal. Yeah. And, and be... that's hard for a kid to like, hold on to that. Yeah. But also like to have as a parent, to have to say that to your child, you know yeah. what I mean? And to have to explain yourself. And um, especially yeah. whenever um, Paul Danny is so like sickly sweet that you're like, why would you cheat on somebody that's so sweet to you? You know, um, so I, I thought that that was her most interesting scene and and the character's most interesting part of the movie. Um, but I don't think that this is a movie that I'll be revisiting anytime soon. Uh, but hey, I own it, so I can go back to it whenever I want now, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And sorry if we've uh, offended any... Uh... Fableman stands, yeah. Fableman stands, yeah. Hey, Best Actress listeners. Enjoying the show? Want to hear more? Access our entire catalog of Best Actress episodes from the very beginning ad-free by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bestactress. By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. Best Actress Podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon, where you can access it anytime with your subscription. 
Come on, ladies, it's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe. Okay, this one, this one is the one that I am so excited to talk about. Let's talk about Andrea Riseborough in the movie To Leslie. Mm-hmm. Oh my fucking God. So first of all, her nomination was a shock to everyone to the point where they literally had to investigate her nomination because all of these super famous actresses and actors like um, Kate Winslet and Gwyneth Paltrow were like holding like Oscar viewing party or Oscar viewing party, two Leslie viewing parties. And so the Academy considered this to be sort of like cheating, like a form of lobbying that was like not in line with their you know, rules and conduct. Anyway, Mm -hmm. she ended up being able to keep her nomination. Everything was above board. And so it all ended up working out. But the reason why it was so strange that she was nominated, this movie only made $28,000 at the box office. It had like a million dollar budget. No one saw this movie. No one heard about it. But the one thing that everybody did know was just how insane this performance was and also this movie wasn't backed by like a huge studio because um just to be able to submit to the oscars i was watching some video it's apparently like 20 grand so if you come exactly if the movie only made twenty eight thousand dollars, and if you're coming from a little indie studio you can't afford to do an oscar campaign that's why like the oscar um oscar nominations are generally kind of just reserved for these big studios it's it's kind of like a a shitty system if you're like an indie performer. So Andrea Riseborough having a grassroots campaign and actually landing a best actress nomination. Um, and she knocked out, um, uh, Viola Davis for the woman King. Um, and a couple other people. And it was literally like everyone was shocked by this. And so I never saw this movie. Um, very quickly, what it's about. Inspired by true events, a West Texas single mother wins the lottery and squanders it just as fast, leaving behind a world of heartbreak. Years later, with her charm running out and nowhere to go, she fights to rebuild her life and find redemption. So this movie is about... um it's about addiction. It's about self-improvement. It's about family. It's about how all of your relationships are affected by selfish behavior, by substance abuse. And as a person who abuses drugs, as a person who is an alcoholic, for me, uh, Catherine, okay. this movie moved me (laughs) like in the most cheesy way like i was sobbing at the end of this movie i was i am so surprised that this movie is not as well known and um i completely understand this oscar nomination and andrea riseborough's performance in this film it meant a lot to me and the it is so exciting on this episode because really this year came to me, it came down to Andrea Riseborough, Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. And it's so hard to pick a winner and Andrea Riseborough for me, she is up there. And I really think having seen all these movies, she could have been an upset. Like she could have beat Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett. Like I actually was that impressed by this film. Anyway, those are my initial thoughts. What did you think? Um, Yeah. So like I, where do I start? First of all, yes, this is a very well-deserved nomination. I agree. Those are the big three of this category. 
um if this film had more weight behind it she could have been an upset all of that i agree in addition to that also to like everyone uh listening if you haven't seen this movie like see this movie this is a movie that's worth watching um you know not to make this whole episode about me and my trauma i don't know why i'm doing that today but this is a but, safe space yeah, Catherine. this is a safe space it's like literally a podcast no but like so my so my parents struggled with addiction and then so did so did my brother although my brother is now seven years sober uh my mm, mom's for also f- for the most part sober my dad uh didn't make it he passed away so it's mm. like for me watching this movie some parts really hit heavy for me as well, but in a very different way than it would have hit heavy for you. But I also think that speaks to how real and honest and true this performance is, because I feel like, you know, I have, I, I take issue at times when people play addicts because I feel like it gets to be too cartoonish. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like people like they push it to where it's like cartoonish and like you know if it's a comedy then like i guess it's like supposed to be that way or like they're just like they're too angry they're too miserable they're too volatile and i feel like the way she plays this it feels real absolutely and it's like to immerse yourself in that and you know i mean she's essentially like homeless right in the film and i also felt like you know i don't know if you you agree or not but i actually felt like the film i didn't know that it was based on like some true events but i almost felt like it didn't need the hook of like this was a former lottery winner who Mm. spent all her money and is now down and out and has nowhere to go i think this could have just been a woman who struggles with addiction and ran out of money do you know yeah. what I mean? Because she spent she spends $190,000 in six years. I would spend that money in less than six years and I don't <laughs> struggle with addiction. Yeah, it's not that much money, right? I mean, I guess I live in an expensive city, so there's that. But still, it, it's just like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's not that hard to fathom. And like, you know, I I feel how much she is drowned in shame. right she's drowned in her own shame and and it just you know and it's this vicious cycle that keeps getting worse and like i i don't know like i just i feel it this this performance this movie is phenomenal the ending is in my opinion you might disagree with me kyle i felt although a good ending felt you know a little cutesy hollywood compared to the rest of the movie where yeah. like I, I felt like oh like this didn't have to tie up the way it does but there is this subtle thing spoiler if people want to go watch the movie spoiler about the end of the movie um they don't they don't emphasize this point enough but she she steals that guy's flask right at the end so i i my interpretation is that this isn't actually a happy ending. But don't you think that that was more like her showing that she still struggles, but she she chose to not do it? Did she not drink from the flask? No, she looked at it and then she she came back in. Oh, I take it all back. I missed it. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> this is too cutesy for me. 
because when you're when you're that down and out and i obviously i'm putting my own life experience and bias into this when you're that level of addict and that level of rock bottom where you're homeless mm. you can't just quit cold like that and be okay because there's people around you you who love you and support you but she didn't really because it was Mark Marin who also was a real cutie in this movie. Yeah, uh, was kind of like Pixie helping Dream Boy. Hundred percent. Yeah, he um, with a mustache. Yeah, he mm. uh, definitely uh, was there whenever she was going through her withdrawal and she was getting sick and she was going through the DTs and all that um, because she didn't have anybody. And I mean, even off the because whenever you said that this is a very realistic person like you you could see this being a real person mm. um you know I, I live right downtown toronto uh, mm-hmm. you know we have a lot of homeless people in my neighborhood and just off the topic when you see her wandering the streets like the clothes that she's wearing the way that she's talking the way that she's kind of wandering i've seen this woman mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. she lives in my neighborhood and so once the movie started i immediately was like i know you like i've seen you so that that hooked me in at the very very beginning. I also like whenever her son takes her in, sets very specific rules. I love the way that she is one way with him, and then the second that he leaves, she breaks all the rules. She yeah. is drinking. She is going and doing everything that she's not supposed to be doing because she's a selfish person. She does what she wants. She doesn't care about the repercussions. She doesn't care how it hurts others because it's what she wants, and that is. That's what an addict does. An addict is very selfish. And so when the movie is opening and 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 framing this woman as frankly a very unlikable person, it kind of made it a little bit more interesting for me because I know there's the whole thing with like the fad of the anti-hero and all that now. Um, but it was well balanced because they didn't represent her in this way where it was like, oh. Like she stopped drinking. Now everyone's going to be nice to her. No, every like Al- her relationship with Anison, Allison Janney was very complicated. Yes. And when she comes in sort of at the end, you know, she does admit some faults for not, you know, stepping in when she should have, or tried to do something when she should have. And she does I, I apologize for that one thing. But at the end of the day, she cares about, the son and the relationship that she has with the son. And when he comes in and sits down after like, she's gotten her shit together and she has like her little cafe. I agree with you. It is a little cheesy. It is like a little cheesy, happy ending. We're not, this isn't a groundbreaking story or a groundbreaking plot or a groundbreaking ending, but it doesn't change the fact that I was fucking crying like a baby. (laughs) Like I was so moved by um, this performance just because I know this woman. I know mm-hmm. I know Leslie. I know her. I know people like this in my life. So it, and Allison Jenny, because she was on that uh, sitcom Mom, which is all about addiction, you know, I, I'm sure that's probably why she was considered for this, um, uh, for this film, for this role. Um, you know, I, 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 it just, 
this movie just worked for me. This performance really, really worked for me. And I really, really loved Mark Marin in this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the only criticism that I have of this film was girl when she was homeless and basically up until whenever she had that like little cafe, her ombre hair job, her hair dye was like on point. Like it was I agree. flawless. I was like, how the hell does this girl have highlights? That was my only criticism. And you're like, maybe the film couldn't pay her enough to get rid of them for the movie. (laughs) I don't know. She was like, I refuse to give up my highlights. (laughs) Yeah. But that ombre was on point. In real life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was on point. And the blonde never faded. Like the blonde always was like perfect. I was like, no, 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 no. But the scenes in the bars with the patrons and when she's trying to hit on that guy who's just being polite and she's in a fucking blackout girl that has been me (laughs) i i was triggered watching this movie it was such a real dark gritty performance and andrea risebro to me she was just delivering everything that i wanted and i love 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 this film and phenomenal absolutely phenomenal Mm. i'm trying to think if there's anything uh no i guess that's pretty it's pretty much pretty much all of my thoughts on that do you have anything else that you want to say before we move on uh no i'm good okay let's take about let's take about let's talk about kate blanchett for the movie tar and i would like to remind people listening that lydia tar is not a real person (laughs) there's something about this movie where you're like yeah like this is real right like no 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 no. this uh, is the first time i watched this movie i legit googled that during the movie (laughs) She's not, she's not real. She is a fictionalized lesbian. This is actually a new um, incarnation of lesbian for Kate Blanchett because obviously Carol and now this. And I'll be honest with you, honey, I'm really, I'm loving the lesbian diversity. How many times has she played a lesbian? Off the top of my head, I can only think of Carol. Oh, um, what's that? No, off the top of my head, I can only think Carol. Okay. Off the top of my head, but I'm I'm glad that we're seeing some range of lesbian. Okay, we're seeing diversity of lesbian uh, yes. in from Cape, and I appreciate that. So, if anybody, okay, so uh, Tar <laughs> is set in the international world of Western classical music. A film centers on Lydia Tar, widely considered one of the greatest living composer conductors and the very first female director of a major German orchestra. And basically the movie is um, simply put about like cancel culture and toxic behaviors and power dynamics and how that can affect people emotionally, physically, um, mentally. Um, Oh, do you remember that scene where she's like running uh, through like a, like a, like a park kind of forest and she hears that woman screaming. Yeah. So that scream that she hears is actually a sample of Heather Donahue from the climax of the Blair Witch Project. Wow. I know. Isn't that crazy? I thought that was the most interesting fact about uh, this movie. Um, uh-huh. A couple other facts before we jump in. Kate Blanchett had to relearn the piano, learn to speak German, and learn how to conduct an orchestra for the film. And professional cellist Sophie Cower, the like young cellist that comes from like Russia or wherever um, had no prior acting experience and auditioned at the encouragement of a friend. She learned to act by watching YouTube tutorials hosted by Michael Caine. So 
anybody wants to audition for a film, I guess that's the advice. Go check wow. out Michael Caine on YouTube. But oh my God, just Kate Blanchett in this movie, she is Lydia Tarr. She is um, this just watching her go from like the top of the mountain to the ending where she's, it's like the furries in the crowd and they're all watching this movie and she's like, you know, doing the score to like a film, like it to see her at the top and then to see her like just an amazing ending and the way they frame it is amazing. And the first time you watch it, the first hour actually is kind of boring and slow. But the second time that you watch this movie, you understand the point of how they're establishing everything so that you can, the the ending has so much more satisfaction and watching this movie second time around. Oh, I just appreciated it so much more. Um, Kate Blanchett is just everything in this movie. I love Tar and I totally, totally get why she could have won this Oscar. Um, what did you think, Catherine? Um, okay. I'd like to ask you questions about the movie before I talk about her performance. Is that cool? Okay what is this movie trying to say that 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 being uh, in a position of power you have to consider uh what it means because i think that if it was coming from like a straight white guy it's like yeah we know like always like men in positions of power i think what made it interesting was that it was like a lesbian in a position of power and that it's not just straight men you know i think it can also be uh women in positions of power and and how that can affect people and relationships and work environments etc i think it was like kind of a fun like little take to give you new perspective Really? That's my take. That's my take. That's my take. I've I've seen reviews of this film. I I I've watched videos of people who love this movie and I just feel like I'm missing something. <laughs> and I've watched it twice. I'm missing I don't know what this movie's trying to say. And I and I've seen an interpretation where they're like, well, they're trying to leave it up to you to see how you <laughs> feel about cancel culture and can you separate the 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 art from the artist and stuff like that. But I'm like, but even in that analogy, it's like she's a conductor and essentially she's doing covers. Mm-hmm. Right? Like she's not composing her own music or it's like kind of like suggested that maybe she has, but that isn't the focus of the movie. You know what I mean? Like she's conducting these covers and granted she as a conductor, she kind of has her own point of view as to like how these should be or, or et cetera. But it's not the same as asking like, can you, you know, separate Michael Jackson from his music or can you separate Woody Allen from his films? Like it's not, it's not asking the same question based on who she is. Am I making mm-hmm. sense? But to, wait, but to go back though, I think this movie is also saying, simply put, it doesn't matter what level of, you know, industry you're at. Like you can be at the top of the mountain or the bottom, but like actions have consequences, even if you are, you know, an EGOT composer, Lydia Tarr, like the greatest of all time, like you can still you know, be canceled. So, it, so you can it's, still. So it's it's actually pro cancel culture. I think yeah. maybe it's not pro. I think it maybe just shows what cancel culture looks like for someone that's going through it. Right, because like the scene where um, she's talking to the Juilliard student, mm. um, brilliant scene. 
um, where and then like you know she's like kind of taking this kid down a peg for being like you know I don't really want to listen to Bach because of like his personal life and then Mm -hmm. and things he did in his personal life and she's basically like that's ridiculous um and then he gets up and leaves and then later in the film there's like a tiktok video where like everything she said in that lecture is like edited down and taken out of context which like would make her look innocent except we know she isn't innocent so I find that really confusing messaging because it's like, why would that video even need to exist? Why would that video need to be taken out of context? Because it's like, well, that is wrong to take people's words out of context. That would actually make Lydia Tar a victim. Right? It, yes, so, right. So I, I, I just find the messaging of this film to be confusing. Mm-hmm. Do you find uh well if it makes you feel any better this movie was nominated for 6 Oscars and it didn't win any of them so <laughs> maybe <laughs> no, the academy that, okay, was also but, like but I don't all, get it. But with all that being said, you know, with all that being said, there are things about this movie to really like. Um one of which um I think the cinematography in this film is stunning. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was nominated for cine- cinematography, but it's a stunning visual film. Um it is- Obviously, the sound in this film is excellent. Um, Kate Blanchett embodies this character, like we've already said, so much that you think she really existed. And that truly is a testament to Kate Blanchett as an actress, right? That mm-hmm. like that she is that freaking good. And and this movie is a lesser movie without her. Yes. Um, you know, she carries this whole thing. There's long, long stretches of dialogue that, you know, I, I would argue do draw on too long, especially in that first hour. But, you know, the words are impactful. And at least for all those long stretches of dialogue, they do have purpose. And I do think this movie is, you know, in those sections really good like i think this movie has really great moments that are like at the peak of filmmaking but but not as a whole i just feel like the messaging of this film as a whole to be a bit confusing but she is brilliant yeah i I think that's a very fair point i i guess for me i'm not really so much focused on like what is this film asking or what is this film answering i think i'm watching it more just sort of like as a person who uh was very very good friends with somebody that got like majorly canceled this subject matter like really speaks to me and to see the journey of that and the um the the slow downfall it's very interesting. I mean, so like when she goes to New York um, for that deposition and she attends the deposition and then she mm-hmm. starts to realize sort of the severity of it. And then you you see that she's trying to keep it together, but like low key, she's like freaking the fuck out. Those kinds of like layered emotions that you're trying to communicate from your perspective, it's like, okay, like I'm, I'm chill, but I'm also freaking out at the same time. Like, how do you do that? You know what I mean? And those scenes to me were so effective because I felt stressed out for 
her, but then you're also like, you're also, but you're also watching and you're like, yeah, like you're absolutely brilliant, but you're also like kind of arrogant and like you've destroyed lives. So you don't really feel bad for her, but you're also like, what's going to happen? And, Mm. um, Oh my God. The scene when she runs out, whenever Mark Strong uh, has to like step in and like, um, as like the composer, um, as the maestro for the thing that she had arranged. And then she like starts beating the shit out of yeah, him on that's stage. Crazy. I could watch Kate Blanchett beating the shit out of Mark Strong on stage <laughs> in front of thousands of people for hours. I would pay hundreds to see Kate Blanchett fucking lose it on anybody. That was, that was very entertaining uh, for me because she just fucking lost it. Um, and you know, when she's like walking, she's about to run up to him and walk, she looks deranged. Like the yes. way she's kind of like, Oh my God. Like, it's just, um, this is one of Kate Blanchett's, if not, honestly, Kate Blanchett's like best performance, because I, I would say Elizabeth is up there. I would say, um, Carol is definitely up there. Uh, what were the? Because I remember we had done. We did notes on a scandal together. Oh yeah, she's really good in that movie. She's good really? in everything. She's great. She's in good everything. in everything. Oh, we also did um um the one that she won. Um, Blue Jasmine. Blue Jasmine, and we didn't pick her. Well, it's a wonder. It's an amazing performance. It's just kind of a ugh, movie. But like for me, like my top three. Kate Blanchett performances, it would be this, uh, Elizabeth, and Notes on a Scandal. That those yeah. would be my three. I yeah, I I think I agree. And and I feel like, you know, we talked about Kate Blanchett being one of those like, you know, they win they don't win the Oscar for the right film. Yes. Right? Like she's like really like high up on that list of like actors who don't win for the right film. And um you know, this movie came in a really competitive year. Like, I think this could have won the year before or even the year before that. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I just feel like sometimes that happens. And um, I, I do think, you know, maybe to some degree, I'll speak for myself, that I take her greatness for granted. We, especially I, I, think, I think I I think I do. And, and like, you know, I, I actually, you know, you said something that I hadn't seen it from that perspective before, but like when that decline is happening, when her downfall is happening and she's trying to hold it together, the layers of emotion that she's like holding on to, trying to keep in and then at times letting out is a very like layered and measured um, performance and it really is phenomenal like it, it, it is she is doing phenomenal work in this movie and there's no um there's no denying that whatsoever it's just my i just have personal like questions about the film itself not that the film is inherently bad mm-hmm. like i said you know i'm not claiming this is a bad movie at all like i think this movie truly has like really wonderful cinematic moments in it where you're like wow like that's why i watch movies right like it really has incredible moments but i just found the messaging to be a bit confusing and a bit and a bit muddled but yeah uh kate blanchett wow 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 i think like because when you're saying you know taking kate blanchett uh like as a viewer like her abilities for granted i think meryl streep is going through that right now Mm -hmm. i think people forget 
her insane ability and insane range just because they're so used to it that they I think viewers often just think like, oh, this is just easy for yeah, you. Well, she's probably been going through that since Sophie's Choice. Oh, sure. But it's it's interesting. Well, actually, Kate Blanchett beat Meryl Streep for Elizabeth for the role of Elizabeth. And that was actually one of like three roles that Meryl Streep has like ever lost. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is pretty crazy. So Kate Blanchett is like, she's up there. Like she's one of the greatest actresses of our generation. Uh, yeah. You know, and um, Tar, I think, is one of her greatest performances. And um like I said, I just love that she has like a a, a range of gay roles and gay <laughs> characters, and I don't know how many actors can say that. You know That's what I mean? True, that is true. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, look, like I think, like hopefully, you know, we get a lot more great performances from Kate Blanchett. She deserves to be a three plus time Oscar winner. Yes, that wouldn't bother me in the slightest. Um. Yeah, I think, like, you know, between her, Andrea Riseborough, and we'll get into Michelle Yeoh, just such a competitive year. And, uh, yeah, I I think this movie is, uh, yeah, I agree. It is one of her best performances, easily. Well, she would have won. She, I would take this over Blue Jasmine. I'll tell you that. No, absolutely. Yeah. But, like, with um, Jessica Chastain and Frances McDormand, winning best actress i thought that those two years were some of the weakest years in best actress oscar this history is exactly in the last... what i'm saying you know this and so movie would have won if it came out in either of those two years easily a hundred percent a hundred percent and so um okay well i think i think we've i think we've set our piece on Kate blanchett just for time's sake i think we'll just move on but sure, um yes. Kate blanchett we always go long you and i Kate <laughs> blanchett she did the thing <laughs> she did the thing. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that would have changed the tides if that were the song. <laughs> Do you know what was nice though about this year though was that like a lot of these performances were actually in good movies. I find a lot of best actress they single out an amazing performance in kind of a eh, movie. Yeah. You know, like, like I, when I Meryl didn't um I haven't seen Judy, but that was the impression I got with that film, Renée Zellweger. Oh yeah. Yeah, that movie's okay, but it's it's like when Meryl Streep won for The Iron Lady. Like, the performance was amazing, but yeah. the movie itself is terrible. Yeah, I just I hate when that happens. But, you know, it happens. It happens. Um I, but a lot with Best Actress, but I this year was just enjoyable. I I I enjoyed most of these movies except for Blonde. Um, okay, uh, so yeah. let's talk about let's talk about our winner, Michelle Yeoh, and everything, everywhere, all at once. So, if anybody has not heard of this movie, <laughs> uh, I don't know what planet you're living on, but a middle aged Chinese immigrant is swept into an insane adventure in which she alone can save existence by exploring other universes and connecting with the lives she could have led. And if anybody is as confused by that description and thought, "Oh, maybe the movie will clear it up," it won't. It's just a strange insane it's an acid trip of a movie but that is what makes it so amazing uh michelle yo this is kind of like the climax for michelle yo's career she's using all of her skills as an actor as um somebody who performs stunts and martial arts and um there's even some comedic moments in this film she is kind of doing like a million things at once and when you're talking about who is going to win this oscar it's like you can make an 
argument for every single one of these performances, but in a different sort of way. And Michelle Yeoh, I, I remember the narrative of her win was that, you know, the only person of color to ever win Best Actress was Halle Berry. It's time, which is a, a more than a fair enough um, argument. And also, uh, it's an amazing performance, but also she is doing like a million things at once. She's not just acting. She's also like fighting and remembering her choreo. And that's, if you're going to reward, you know, uh, Liza Minnelli for cabaret, for singing and dancing, I mean, doing martial arts- you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Catherine Zeta Jones. It's like if you're going to reward someone for that, it's like you have to reward somebody for doing like martial arts and acting at the same time because it's all choreo, mm-hmm. it's all physical, and so um, it's just a different skill set. So I remember. Okay, so I will I will say this: Michelle Yeoh winning the Oscar for 2023 by the Academy. That was the correct choice. She should have won, and I'm glad that she won. I have my opinions and we'll get into that when we reveal who we think that the Oscar should have gone to. Will I pick her? I don't know, but I will just say (laughs) that, that she, her winning was correct. This movie is, I I've, this is the second time watching it. I watched it with Daniel, Daniel. This was Daniel's first time watching it. He loved it. Um, Every time I watch this movie, I get very emotional for like various reasons for, especially even Kihi Kwan, like a lot of the, a lot of his performance makes me very um, emotional as well. And um, uh, the way that Michelle Yeoh has to be in all of these different universes also, you know, shows uh, range. I thought that the funniest, one of the most random universes is when she's like spinning around that sign for pizza. Yeah. (laughs) That was random. I love the rock universe. Um, and I, and the, the, the silence of that, and you had to read the subtitles, like it was very emotionally impactful. Um, I, I thought that the best scene was between her and Stephanie Shu in the parking lot. Um, and also whenever she's just kind of overwhelmed with all of the universes and her going into the black bagel, the everything bagel. And, uh, she's, she she's just the 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 emotional weight of all of the universes and and it's you can see it on her face and in her performance it's just it would be kind of odd if she didn't win this oscar but um yeah this this is for me like the climax of Michelle Yeoh like if you're a Michelle Yeoh fan it's like this is her ultimate performance her magnum um, opus yeah absolutely this is this is it uh and i i loved it anyway so um Uh, Catherine, what did you think? Um, I agree. I think this film is a very special film. And I think it, you know, it deserved its best picture win. It deserved a lot of its wins. And I feel like, you know, as someone who went to film school, I feel like this is the kind of movie that, like, students look at and be like, I want to be like that when I'm older. And I felt that way when I was younger about, like, Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's the kind of movie that like truly captures your imagination 
but also makes you feel something. And that is like the mark of, you know, what makes this film so great. I think every performance in this movie knocks it out of the park. And, you know, with Michelle Yeoh, like, I agree the amount, like, if there's anything that could possibly be underrated about this movie, it is the physicality of all these performances. They are extremely Mm. physical. And I felt like watching it the second time, I took away just how physical all of these performances really were, but also really emotional. And I think like this performance is really difficult actually to compare to the other nominees because of the different skill sets and the different things that she's doing in this film. The first act of the film is definitely primarily more comedic and there's no other comedic performance to compare this to. And in fact, it's actually quite rare that a comedic performance gets nominated for best actress period so i think Mm -hmm. that makes it hard to compare and then the second to third acts are extremely physical but i think michelle yo won this oscar in the third act um i think she wins this oscar in the third act for all the emotion like you said like you feel the weight of all these universes on her And you Mm -hmm. see them and you feel her. And I don't think this movie is as satisfying if you don't see that on her. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? I feel like that makes the movie work. And I think like, you know, it, it felt like it was written for her. You know, like you said, like combining all her skills. And, and I think, you know, this movie is emotional. It makes people emotional. It makes people feel something. And I think that's ultimately why it won as much as it won. And I think Michelle Yeoh is, is very phenomenal in this movie. And I think it's a very special film. Um, Evelyn speaks to her father in Cantonese, but she speaks to Waymond in Mandarin showing um, cultural differences in their upbringing. Evelyn speaks to Joy in Mandarin and English while Joy answers back in English and bad Chinese. Neither one finds the words to express their ideas clearly to the other, keeping them divided. Mm. Um, In the IRS office, you can see Deirdre wears a carpal tunnel brace on her left wrist uh, when she's playing the piano in the hot dog universe with her feet. She wears a brace on her left ankle. (laughs) I forgot about that. That's so funny. Um, Michelle Yeoh said that this film uh, was completely out of her comfort zone. She said, quote, I was suddenly doing comedy, physical comedy, action, horror, every single genre all packed into one and jumping in and out of it. It was such a gratifying experience. I waited a long time to receive a script like that because as you get older, the box gets smaller and smaller. And that's another thing, too, mm-hmm. um, that you could really feel like leading on this campaign leading up to the Oscar was that she was kind of like, this is it. Like, this is, if I don't win for this, like, I will never win. You know, like, this is the performance for me. And this yeah, is like Yeah, because nobody offers script. her a role like Tar. Exactly. And so I think that was also a big part of um, the campaign, which again, I also think is a, a, a fair argument. Um, I think, I also I also love the pinky, kung, but pinkies can be kung fu. Um, <laughs> the those giant muscle in her pinky finger. Oh my god! 
But you still took the movie seriously. That's the thing. Yeah. Is like it was so ridiculous, but the emotional story was still at the core of everything and was just it was like the through line through this insane acid trip of a story. And um yeah, like I just don't think anybody else other than Michelle Yeoh could have done this. I agree. I think the casting in this film adds to what makes it so brilliant. And I think like, you know, like I said, like this is it's the kind of movie that makes you want to make movies and like film students would be inspired by this because like you said, like the emotional through line carries through this acid trip. And that's why I feel like people will study it because they'll be like, how did they pull that off? Mm-hmm. Because this movie shouldn't work. Raconteuie? Raconteuie. Yes. yes. <laughs> this movie shouldn't work. But it does, and it works brilliantly. And yeah, I mean, I, I mean, pulling out Kiki Kwan out of nowhere, come <laughs> on, that's a flex. Like, like twenty that, years he didn't work for twenty years. Yeah, yeah, he was like a stunt coordinator. Yeah, that fanny pack fight scene is so <laughs> fun. That is such a fun scene. But also he has his emotional scene at the end. His Oscar is extremely well earned and deserved. I I mean, yeah, Michelle Yeoh's brilliant in this, but I think it's the emotional core, not just of the film, but how she holds on to it in the Mm -hmm. film, you know, because in the beginning of the film, she's so stiff. She's so stern. She, you know, she can't reveal her emotions in any way. That's why she calls her daughter fat. Because she yeah. doesn't know how to show her daughter that she's trying to care for her, you know, and, and like, mm-hmm. and she doesn't change, but she grows, right? So like, uh, she grows yeah. throughout this film, and she learns, and she realizes, and you see the growth on her. She doesn't say like, "I learned," blah 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 blah. Like you just see it on her, and I think she executes that brilliantly, and I. I do think she won this Oscar in the third act. And I think she won this Oscar because of how her performance makes people feel. Absolutely. And um, also, even at the very beginning, whenever she's watching uh, that, like, a scene from a Bollywood film, it's like a fake film. But, like, mm-hmm, when, mm-hmm. She see, when she watches that scene and, and you can just... With the look that she longs for that sort of romance, she longs for a, a different sort of life. That just just the look just mm-hmm. devastated me. Mm-hmm. And when she served the divorce papers by Kihi Kwan, I that also was she because she's so caught off guard by that. Mm-hmm. And then there's that sort of thing where it's about like, you know, um, like. Because, like, her father was like that to her, so she's being like that to her daughter, and she's trying to stop the cycle. And and the way that they did those kinds of scenes, it was just devastating. And, like, but also, again, like, it's still a comedy. So I love that balance as a comedian, you know? And, and mm-hmm. um, it was it just this movie, like you're saying, I think it was Guillermo del Toro that was talking about how this is sort of like that movie. Every generation has a movie where it, like speaks to the generation where the voice of the generation is like this, like this is our, like we all agree that this is the voice of our generation, like the graduate or uh, like eternal sunshine. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they all have uh, their, their films. um, And 
Guillermo del Toro and other directors were saying that like, whether they understand this film or not, this film spoke to so many people and it really got through to people. And I think that you're very right in saying that like in film school, like this is the movie that makes people want to make movies. And um, it's, it's also just very exciting to watch and exciting to see a film like this succeed so much at the Oscars, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And when Michelle, I remember when Halle Berry walked out on stage, I'm like, okay, well, obviously Michelle Yeoh won. Like a little heavy handed to be honest. Yeah. It, but like why like they it kind of like spoils a little spoiled it a little bit because imagine if she didn't win. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It did spoil it. It did spoil it. Not that um, I'm not happy for them to have a moment, but you know, I I agree. The staging of that spoiled it. It's it's uh it's just crazy. But um uh yeah, Michelle Yeoh uh, is the only choice uh for this film, and um. One of my favorite universes also was uh, when she's like a movie star and yeah. her and Kihi Kwan are not quite together yet. And then she kind of runs out of the theater after a movie um, debut. And then she is talking to him like in the alleyway. And I, I also enjoyed that universe as well. And um, the, the hot dog. I'm surprised that I didn't see a lot more people dressed as the hot dog fingers for Halloween. Yeah. You and I, I was could. expecting that. You yeah. And I could. <laughs> Next year, who cares? <laughs> maybe they'll be on sale. Maybe the hot dog fingers will be on discount. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It's a pretty easy costume, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Who's Michelle Yeoh? Who's uh, Jamie Lee Curtis? <laughs> I feel like I bring a strong. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis IRS energy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also brunette, so whatever. But yeah, this is true. Yeah. Um, Um, Yeah. Okay. Love the well. Love, 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 love the best picture winner, and it makes total sense. But um, do you have anything else that you want to add before we select who we think that the Oscar should have gone to? Uh, I'm good. Okay. So, Catherine Niker, you are my guest of honor. Who do you think that the Oscar should have gone to? I think the Oscars should go to Michelle Yeoh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I thought about this a lot. Yes. This was not not an easy choice. And I ultimately decided that it should go to Michelle Yeoh because I think this entire movie falls apart if she is any less of an actress. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing wouldn't work if she was any less of an actress. Cause like we talk about that emotional through line. If she's not able to carry that the whole movie, the whole thing is just a ridiculous romp that means nothing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she, she just, you know, like I said, it's really hard to compare what she has to bring to this film that the other actresses have to bring to other films but what she had to bring to this film she fucking brought it and i think she absolutely deserved politics aside i need to really emphasize that enough politics aside i truly believe she deserves this oscar and if i may i'd like to leave just a little bit of an asterisk on this pick and that is if we lived in a world where we could give out four oscars for acting that weren't separated by gender. I think Kate Blanchett and Andrea Riseborough 
were better than the entire male best actor category this year combined. I agree with you. They're so brilliant. Like, I don't want people to think I don't think those performances are brilliant. They're brilliant. And they would have deserved those Oscars over those actors. It's just, it's a crazy year. And, and I'm, and I'm sticking with Michelle Yeoh. Okay. I love that. Um, Okay, so I think that the Oscars should have gone to... Michelle Yeoh for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I actually, I'm not going to lie, this is like the closest I would ever come to a tie. Yeah. Uh, I I would never give a tie, but if I did, it would be a three-way tie. Yeah. Um, the, for me, my second place would be Andrea Riseborough, and I actually was going to say Andrea Riseborough for to Leslie. However, you're so right in saying that, like, this movie without Michelle Yeoh does not work. She mm-hmm. is like she is the movie she is doing everything for the movie. This is one of those kinds of like this is like the Titanic of this decade. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like a, it's like a massive film. It's a massive success. It's critically acclaimed in like all of the supporting and the lead and, the, you know, all the categories, this film swept at the Oscars. It makes sense. And um, you're right. There's definitely politics that are um, considered. Um, but the thing is, uh, I don't really think that that matters in this case, because like I've seen this movie a couple times now. And like I said, it's, it's like, she carries the the weight of the emotional story throughout this entire ridiculous acid fever dream of a story. Um, and I think that an actor with less abilities, you know, you have to ask, like, would they have been able to carry this story on their shoulders or would it have mm-hmm. just been a mess? You know, would it have just been more of a comedy and less of a, a dramedy? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. And and also just the fact that, like, she does have to, like, do kung fu, like, you get bonus points for that. Just just for that. At her age, too. Like, how old is Michelle Yeoh? I think she's in her mid-60s. You know, she's so 60, she's, she's 61. So yeah, she would okay, have done so. this, like, maybe she would have been, like, 58 or 50, you know, late 50s when she filmed it. Yeah. I think Insane. Michelle Yeoh. But she, this is the correct, this is the correct win um, of these five but for me like andrea risebo is like an extremely extremely close second almost a tie um and kate blanchett is also everything but what i love is that like i would totally rewatch all of these movies again and revisit them and enjoy them uh because like i think you really nailed it when you said that like these the the three performances that we're talking about were way better than any of the um best actor nominations and how often does that happen? Yeah. You know? So rare that we can say that. But I mean, also, like, it. what a great sign that is for film that, like, these dynamic roles, like, exist yeah. now. Like, Lydia Tarr, like, that character didn't exist before now. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, she, and it's like she's, really like, a real person. Cool. <laughs> and, that, and we all thought she was a real person, right? So that's really cool. And I think that's, like, a really great sign for, for film. 
Absolutely. Okay. Oh my God. This has been such a fun episode. Um, mm-hmm. Catherine, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. We always love having you. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, thanks again for having me as always. Uh, you can find me on social media at it's me underscore Catherine spelled C-A-T-H-R-Y-N. Amazing. Well, uh, we'll have to have you back again soon. And um, thanks again. Bye. Bye. Did you enjoy the show? Want to hear more episodes? Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad-free with your subscription. Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my god. Go to patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe, and I will see you all at Howard's Inn.